Vincent the dude. What's hey, up, brother? Hey, it's it's F3. It's here, brother. It's day finally, one. Finally, F1 was supposed to happen two years ago, F- right? COVID. Yeah. <laughs> F2 was supposed to happen last year. Yeah. COVID. Uh, that's right. F3, F3, we're all right here. Here we are. You think if this is a success, F4 will be right here in Chattanooga, too? I don't know why we wouldn't do it again right here in Fred Alley. I would love to have it it's in beautiful. Chattanooga. You know it's what's awesome. really cool? A lot of people here today, a lot of people I've run into, they had never been to the scenic city before. Is that right? It is right. I, I bet time. they're all coming back. First time for a lot of us. First time for us here, right? I mean, it was first time for us when we came out here. I hadn't been to Chattanooga oh. before. Oh, when you moved here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was the first time for me now. 17 years ago. It was the first time for me. A lot of first <laughs> times now that I live here. Hey, we kicked it off with a keynote, and I thought it was going to be really depressing at first, right? Peter's the hand. It was like the end of the world, end of globalization, all that kind of stuff. Well, it's a good thing that we doubled him up on coffee before he went out, right? Yeah, no, I thought, I, well, I thought, it, was, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, all that talk has been going on with China and Taiwan and nearshoring and onshoring, and it sounded, at least from what he was saying, that the future of freight is going to radically change within the next few years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he said it's here right now. This decade, this is the last decade for China. Pretty yeah. much as being the, the manufacturing leader, so that Pacific uh, to back to the to the East move trade, it's going to slow down quite a bit. North America. Well, I thought that that casts a nice die too because a lot of people here, you know, we get caught up in our own thing, and you think yeah. about what's the future of freight going to look like? Is it an autonomous truck? Is it is it uh, is it a TMS? And none of that stuff really matters. What matters is it can it serve the intermediaries who need these things to work with our supply chains. And in a radically shifting nearshoring one, a lot of that has to do with just what's going on amongst people. Yeah, absolutely. One thing was very clear: he's not high on EVs. He's not high on EVs. And you know what? I thought Rachel was going to jump up on stage. Uh, Rachel Premack, I don't know if she's out there. Jones Act came up. I'm surprised that there weren't fights in the stands. It's probably one of the most controversial topics you can bring up. I don't know. Yeah, is she out there? I don't know. Jones Act came up. He's also not big on big ships either. She hates big ships. So, What do you think the labor thing? Not enough people. Oh, wow. That is, a, that is a big thing, is it not? I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't consider is that whole labor support and why that is so important to a company or to a country is to have that support growing up. Well, I mean, that one is one, too, that, like, that's not, like, in the future, there won't be enough people. Like, right now, there's not enough people. Go to the wrong drive through There ain't no drive through that, yeah, I mean, and there you go. That's, that's why it is. You, there's four hire signs all over the place because it's just not there. The boomers, I guess, over the last two years said, forget it. I'm retiring. They said, yeah, what well, was with you guys? No, it's about time. No, just kidding. Love y'all. <laughs> Love y'all. A lot of millennials out there, though. There are. Manny TL, right? Manny, awesome stuff. He is the best dressed person in Chattanooga right now. We saw him just walk down that way with a What the Truck t-shirt in his hand. Absolutely. You want to be dressed as well as Manti, by the way. Bunch of free shirts over right there where it says information. There were hats earlier, but like right before we came on air, the last one was taken. It was by uh, Eric Rampel. It's going to look beautiful. Yeah, they're gone. And that was my plan. I I only have the the hat, so I'm going to sell mine for 25 bucks after the show. Yeah. Well, should we meet some people? This show's about people, so let's do it. But first, we got to say this special edition of What the Drug Live at F3 is brought to you by NuViz. And this stage is sponsored by Steam. 
Logistics. By the way, you guys were driving down Market Street on the way here. You must have saw their uh, big new building. Yeah, their new headquarters going up right over there on 4th and uh, Market. Yeah, and if you see that, look right across the street. You will see our own HQ, Freight Alley, right across the street. Let's, uh, let's have over our friend from Imaginative Fleet Enable. It is Mr. Krishna Vatapali. Krishna, come on upstage, my friend. Where is he? There, there he, is. he is. There we go. Cowbell. From the University of Louisville. Yeah, Krishna. This is, this is your first Weighing time. Weighing in at 185 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> this is your first time in Chattanooga, sir? This is my second time, actually. I was oh. here right before COVID. I visited your office. It's wonderful. And that's something I recommend to anybody. If they haven't visited Freightways office, they should. There you go. Well, it's a little bit like uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we mentioned our, our keynotes, right? The keynotes that we heard. What would your dream keynote be? I'm curious. Dream keynote be, um, I don't know, there are quite a few things. You just caught me on of guard there. <laughs> so, see, freight waves, we talk about a lot of logistics, a lot of technology, okay? And everybody talks about how technology, what is the future. I want to say it's now. Like, how is technology shaping it now? And, um, like, there are a lot of mergers and acquisitions happening. How is technology helping that? So those are some of the things that I would like to talk about in a good keynote. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, he, and Peter was talking about that quite a bit, about the visibility and the digitization of the network, right? And how yep. important that is, not only right now and how difficult it is with world trade, but how more important it's going to be moving forward as we run into yep. labor shortage and reshoring or whatever you want to yep. call it. And he made a very important point this morning. He said that more of the automation on the physical, the hardware side of things, he said, okay, I don't know what's going to go there, but he was more confident about the digitization, the digital solutions aspect of it. That really resonated with what we do. Okay, um, like digital solution, uh, they can really change a lot of things. While hardware is coming up, it's still out there. But any uh, paper process, any manual processes, converting that into digital solutions will really push this industry forward. So that really resonated with me. Well, and as we look forward as an industry, and if I'm an investor and I'm sitting in that keynote listening to, to Peter talk about the change in globalization, that's got to change what I'm thinking about when it comes to mergers and acquisitions. What is going on in that space now, and how do you see that transforming? Yep. So um, for the past two years since COVID, you know, uh, supply chains have been impacted. They've been they've drastically changed. So with this, what happened is all the different uh, stakeholders in the logistics space, they started thinking differently. For example, uh, capacity has been difficult, right? So that's why people started acquiring other companies to increase their capacity. And supply chain, uh, this is a nice statement I read online, is, has transformed to um, on-demand to is like uh, on flexibility, right? So people are like, how can I get my stuff? How can I be flexible about it? Instead of saying that I need it, uh, in, instead of the just-in-time, which was earlier, it's on when I need it. So the flexibility aspect. The third most important thing is most of the carriers have been changing to become an omni-channel provider. Okay? That's the reason why you start seeing we do intermodal, we do ocean, we do 3PL and all these things. So that's my observation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when you talk about the merger, pro uh, the merger process, the process of, of merging two companies, uh, the, the question I guess I have is, is, is how, why are, what are the hurdles that are there? 
Are there hurdles to overcome? You don't want it to be too fast, I guess, because you want it to be done correctly. But what are those hurdles there that kind of lengthen it that could be solved? Yep. So this is a hurdle that I observed recently. Until now, or until recent past, most of the mergers were like, okay, we are bringing two companies together, we are bringing 500,000 people together, and let's grow. But with all that digitization happening, I think people are forgetting that the technology needs to be integrated as well. So as an example, a couple of months ago, we met with a potential customer. They said, hey, we primarily work on acquisitions. And I asked them, like, what do you do? How do you do about it? They're like, okay, we run each of them as a separate entity. Each of the company runs their own systems. I'm like, so you missed a big point there. If each of your company is running a separate entity, they're using their own systems, you lost data. You lost analytics on that. So coming back to your point, people are not looking into data. How can we bring everything together? How can we learn from that? And also, how can we provide them one source of truth? I think that's where people need to focus on. Yeah, you, I mean, you bring up a good point. Now you've got me thinking like an IT person. Like if, if I have a merger, all of a sudden I'm, I'm starting to get agitated. I'm starting to have a nightmare because i got to worry about this completely different system, either bringing it on or, or integrating our own system with theirs. How can technology, where are we at with technology helping to make that process more seamless? Uh, that's a good point. So recently... I think we keep hearing the collaboration and people also talking about open platform. Like I just uh, was listening to Redwood Logistics where they were showcasing their open platform. Project 44 is there and quite a few are out there. But when it comes to the systems aspect of it, there's some custom development that needs to be done. So I'm glad you brought it up. So we have, our team is called Logistics Studio where we focus only on delivering custom digital solutions to transportation and logistics industry. I have a background in transportation. I love that space. I love technology. So I started this Imaginate and Logistics Studio saying, we are innovation for transportation. So primarily what we do is we work with companies. We understand their vision, where they want to go, what their goals are. Based on that, we develop a roadmap for them and build those solutions. So that's how we differentiate. We, we work with them in a collaborative approach. Yeah, so you and I were having a conversation before, before the show over there, and I stopped you because I said, I, I really want to learn this on, on the stage. So talk to us a little bit more about Logistics Studios, specifically how, how can it help and how important is it moving forward in the changing world? Right. So let's say companies, I grossly divide them into three different buckets, right? One is a small company. They don't use much technology. They're good with pen and paper and stuff. Then you get into a slightly medium-sized companies, they are outgrowing offshore, um, off-the-shelf tools, and they want to build something custom. And then a third bucket, the larger companies, the billion plus, where they have their own technology team. So we work with all these three. Okay, let's start with the billion plus, where they have a team. They're like, okay, we want to grow fast. We want a team that knows technology real well, that's innovative, and that knows logistics. We come in there, we build a team. We're not a staffing company. We are a company that knows technology and takes pride in digital solutions. So that's how we build dedicated teams for those companies. The next, the medium bucket where they are like, okay, we are outgrowing our existing software. What should we do? So we come in and build that roadmap for them and say that, hey, this is how you do it. And it's not that we, we are a consulting company where we say, I'm going to charge you a million bucks to give you a piece of paper. Nah. We work with you, we work with you lockstep, execute it, 
we become a true partner at that point. And with the smaller guys who are getting ready to embrace technology, we build them basic solutions so that they're not burning their pocket. At the same time, they are on the technology curve. Very, very cool. Well, hey, we'll let you back out on the floor over here. If people want to talk to you, meet up with you, should they just run up to you? You got a booth out here? Where do they go? Yep, so we have a booth here. Um, it's called Logistics Studio. And uh, by the way, tomorrow we also have, we are demoing Fleet yeah. Enable. What block are you So I think it's in the, at 9.15 in the morning. 9.15, 9.15. Yep. So well. Fleet Enable is our f dedicated final mile platform. So All right. no well, more tomorrow. Stick around listening to this show because we're going to have someone up here from Ryder in, in a little bit who will give you all like their advice on surviving a rapid fire demo. So we'll get oh, that yeah, in. We'll do from. that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is wonderful. Take Thanks. care. Enjoy the scenic city. All right, Eric, you come on up here. We got Mr. Redwood. Our big round of applause there for Christian, Eric. by the way. And now we got Redwood's Eric Rambell. He is the Chief Innovation Officer. Redwood. Yes, sir. What's up, man? What brings you to town today? How are you, brother? You look good. You look good as usual. I try. <laughs> <laughs> you, you enjoying the session? You've been out to Chattanooga many, many times before. Yes, Have you yes. not? It's a great place. It's awesome. Yeah. Love uh, Freight Alley. Love the bar. Reminds me of something back at home. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> a little bit of history here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little bit of history here. You, when you're walking around, how would you, you, before we even get into this, you're a chief innovation officer. How would you innovate the freight conference scene? Mm. Were we to put that microphone in front of you and ask you? Well, I have a uh, slight issue with my back and a bulging disc right now, so I think uh, a Segway studio would be really nice for people to just, you know, hop on one of those and get from place to place more easily. You know, it's oh. a long concourse. We were thinking, like, if there were people movers here, it would have been, uh, it would have been great. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I, it's a little bit wider than last time. I think we were talking about that. You know, the space is great. There's a ton of awesome booths. The energy here is fantastic right now. Love it. So... You've got to learn a lot about shippers over the past couple of years, especially what's wrong with them or what they think is wrong with you. What are you learning so far when you're talking to shippers in terms of the integration with supply chains? We kind of just talked about merger and data integrations and the challenges there. What are you seeing on the uh, supply chain side? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. When it comes to their data, right, and I think anyone here who's dealt with integrating a customer knows that, and, and I've said this phrase before, but I mean it the most endearing way, is shippers are very well-intentioned liars when it comes about their data. Uh, they think that the data is there, that it's accurate, that it represents their business, and often it doesn't, right? So you'll get data and you have to look it up and enrich it and cleanse it and, you know, go through this process of, of actually making it usable for another system. And often until you're in the midst of a project, uh, the companies don't know that. But I, th I think the bigger thing is that, you know, they have uh, a desire, they have a vision of what a future state could look like. And what they're really asking us is, you're the expert, tell me. And so that's why we focus on playbooks a lot, which is, you know, for a shipper, you're integrating your orders to your TMS and your WMS and your EDI and your data warehouses. If you're a freight tech player, right, we're creating more adaptable plug and play for, you know, integration at one part of the load life cycle. So it just varies on the persona, but, you know, it's, it's a learning experience for everyone along the way. So, in your estimation right now, how integrated are we actually right now, our supply chains, and why is it so critical to advance it forward? Yeah, I think the real answer is 
a lot, but not as well as we should be. So a lot of integrations that get created either by IT departments or, you know, you had a consultant come on as an SI when you were buying systems. You know, most of those, when we come into an organization that is saying, hey, we got to redo this, they're incomplete. You know, going back to the data, it's not accurate. It's not timely. You can't do, you know, load and truck optimization planning if the order is already outdated and have left the warehouse. So there's so much room for improvement. And again, back to the 80-20, it doesn't have to be like, you know, a moon launch. It, it, it's really how do we, you know, do the 20% of effort that gives 80% of the results and just keep finding those. It doesn't have to be a home run every time to make a home run impact as it comes to enterprise value. What do you learn from the shippers, though, when they're talking about these integration ones? Because we always look to the ones who do a terrible job and we don't want to be them and model ourselves. And then we look at the ones who've done really well. Who, who and how do you do well at these integrations? I think it always starts with change management and a desire to be better. It's never a technology thing, right? So I can talk about APIs and EDI and all that stuff all day long, but if you don't have an executive sponsor that wants to drive change, if you don't have you know, someone at the next level who says, I'm going to make this happen and we're not going to have change be the scary thing for the organization, that right there is another 80-20. That's 80% of, of the way there with just a little bit of management and change management effort. From there, you know, it's just finding the right things that create the most amount of value quickly. And like I said, for shippers, that's usually streaming orders back and forth, tracking updates, invoices, get that all in real time from there. The world is full of possibilities. So integration uh, through or with uh, Redwood Connect, what would that look like? So if, you're, if you put yourself in the, in the state of a shipper or even a 3PL that leverages us, you know, we were announcing that we work with you know, other competitors of ours and we help them do it. They have systems that they use today that they don't want to replace, but they want to supplement. And so we essentially tell them, send us your data. It's an open API, meaning you can send anything there. You can send a picture of... Uh, you know, Duner's new dog. And, you know, it, it we'll analyze it and we'll know what it means. And, you know, likely not a picture of a dog, but let's say we get a BOL or an order and it, it needs to be cleaned or cleansed. The platform lets us drag and drop those integrations. Then from there, all of a sudden, when it's finally time to send data back, call it tracking updates or invoices or accruals, that goes back into a format that the shipper or 3PL can actually just handle without doing any transformation. We've cleansed it, we made it ready, and they just, you know, slurp it right back into their system and they don't have to worry about validation. We take care of all that. So, Eric, you got any advice for Randy Savage, my, my puppy? I, I heard you mention him. Uh, yeah, don't eat a large uh, rawhide and end up in the vet like my dog did. <laughs> Ooh, all right. <laughs> hey, Eric, people here, they want to see you on the floor. They see you on the floor. They see the booth. Where do they go today? Uh, come by our booth. We're right by the uh, exhibit hall. Go to redwoodlogistics.com or uh, just throw something at one of us, and we'd love to chat with you. Love it, man. All right. What are you giving away, by the way, at your booth? I haven't been over yeah, what's yet. what's the swag? Yeah. Uh, I think we got water bottles and a whole bag. They're giving bag. Raw, raw hide bottles. Raw, oh, for the dog. Raw yeah, hide yeah. water bottles. We got dog trees. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks, fellas. It's excellent advice for anybody. Yeah, well, don't eat too much rawhide. Yeah, well, and if you, you know, you might need some insurance for that, right? You probably do. I wonder if our, if somebody around here has that. Some insurance background. You think there's somebody around here with an insurance background? I don't know. How about somebody with a really nice looking beard? What about Grant Gonzalez, who's over there? He's director of strategic accounts. Over at Reliance Partners. I need an insurance agent or someone to valet park my car. What is up? Look, he's got the hat too. 
Now we get the full set. You got the hat. Manny Tia's got the shirt, so people looking beautiful today. Well, people have these, but I didn't see any free jerseys over there, so what's the deal, boys? Oh, you gotta, oh these ones, so you got you to gotta, you gotta make to friends Gracie. with a guy by the name of Charles Gracie who's walking around here. Uh, Hut Seat Services, he just moved to Chattanooga, and he knows how to make friends. He knows how to make, you know, the best podcast in the game, uh, some jerseys. Got him down, huh? That's right. <laughs> Graham, you, uh, you a Chattanooga local? I usually, I've seen you out and about, but I haven't seen you in Chattanooga. I'm actually in Nashville. Nashville. Mm, it's kind of yeah. like Chattanooga, just a little bit bigger, I'd say. You, do, hey, do you hang out with the Nashville Transportation Club? They're awesome. That's a great crew. There's a couple people here, actually, in the front row from the oh, Nashville Transportation Club. Oh, are there really a couple of people cowbell for the Nashville Transportation Club? Hey, you didn't bring Johnny Brewer with you, did you? No. He <laughs> might show up, but he didn't ride with me. I'll say that. He's, he's my music partner. You have other music partners? Yeah, heck yeah. He writes the lyrics. Wow. Now, Grant, there's probably a lot of people out here like, why, that? why are they talking to an insurance guy? What does that have to do with growing a brokerage? What, what does it have to do with growing a brokerage? That is a great question. So largely insurance, and I'm going to try not to put myself and y'all to sleep in explaining this. Insurance in the transportation space, it's necessary to have. Historically, it's a piece of paper running in the background, right? It's a certificate of insurance. So a 3PL can get in the door with shippers. Now we're seeing that is something that can be leveraged to win new business, win new shipper contracts, get in the door at places you might not have previously had access to. There's a million capacities now in which your insurance can be leveraged to build credibility for your brand, for your business. Those same COIs is no longer just a piece of paper. Now it's you know, a foot in the door. So in, in hyper growth mode, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how difficult is it to keep yourself protected? And, and what are those people doing that are uh, doing it well? Yeah, so a lot of these companies are now, you know, it's hard to fall down without making money over the past two years, right? But now things are starting to slow down. Some of these really high growth 3PLs, what are they doing, right? They've opened new doors for themselves. There's different things on the insurance front, like usage-based cargo insurance has always been around, but now it's been a game changer. Some of these guys who, you know, a $3 million broker, a, a smaller business can now book million dollar loads, full load value coverage, that can open a door with a shipper that they would never have had access to. So we want to support them in that front. Um, usage base is a big piece, but also on the annual policy front, there's new, newer forms that honestly are just head over heels, more responsive, better protection for the business than what everyone has previously had set up. So there's a huge slew of options now. now a lot of startups come to events like these. We even have something here called Startup Alley. Freight Tech by Nature has a lot of startups. Let's say I'm starting a company, you know, I may not have, I've been in a startup, I haven't hired my insurance person yet, so I don't think about this, or I don't want to spend the money yet. What kind of risks do startups face that are not, you know, up to date on their insurance? Yeah, so at worst, picking the wrong insurance partner could mean if there's some kind of catastrophic claim, some kind of fatality over the road, that means that company is going out of business if they don't have a form that can respond and protect them. Or if they can't even reach the limits necessary to protect a business. You know, we're seeing auto liability to million dollar limit. If your family member is deceased in an accident, are you going to sue every party involved for a million dollars? Or is it going to be, you know, five, ten? What's, what are damages really worth? So that's one of the deficits of picking the wrong insurance partner. So finding, you know, an agent or an agent partner that can help you to actually protect your business with forms that are actually going to pay out, not no matter what, but in most instances, is a game changer. We don't want to see young 3PLs going out of business just because they picked an unresponsive form because it costs $2,000 less. But how do I know if I have, like, if I'm working with a bad insurance company, like, how do I, how do I know if these guys suck or that's just insurance? You know, a lot of times we're not, we're kind of ignorant to things. You might think that it all is just bad. 
That's a pretty epic question, and there's not one good, well-rounded answer because everyone's going to put their best foot forward if they're trying to win your business, right? Everyone's going to have the, roughly the same insurance offerings to a degree. It's just going to be on you, and what I say is ask for recommendations. Ask other 3PLs who they partner with, what's been effective for them, what agencies do they avoid. Um, you know, those recommendations are legitimate. So lean on your industry partners, lean on your competitors if they're able, you're able to connect on at least that. We don't want to see each other go out of business. We want to all rise with the tide, right? So I bet if you ask any other 3PL, they'd be able to advise. Mm, gotcha. So what, what should your insurance coverage be doing for you while you're hopefully never filing one of these big claims? Uh, it should be running smoothly in the background, you hope, right? Um, there's new pieces now. So historically, 3PLs weren't able to necessarily meet the leasing requirements to get their own trailers, right? It was, it was a tougher deal. They didn't have an MC authority. They didn't have a truck. So a lot of companies would set up an MC authority. They would get a truck um, not on the road. They'd be sitting in a lot. They'd get insurance so they could have a fleet of trailers. Now we have a new trailer liability product that actually enables those 3PLs who want to expand their own capacity. They want to run the same lanes over and over. Um, they can use our form and basically cover auto liability and physical damage for those trailers. So there's some dynamic pieces of insurance now entering the market. Now, big term that we've used a ton before is nuclear verdict, right? First of all, we're going to have to change the name because of global conditions and yeah. nuclear is getting to be a sensitive term. And second of all, do you only see those getting worse? Uh, I would say, yes, we're only going to see them getting worse. And it's, it's a, a painful term to say if you've been in a situation where you're dealing with one and, and walking through from an insurance standpoint with a client, because realistically now there's case and precedence for people making millions and billions of dollars in these, these types of claims, right? So there's, there's basically a precedence for those not being backed down, not being de-escalated. I think we're going to see continued increases. It's going to get tougher for the 3PLs, especially tougher for the motor carriers who might be involved with those types of claims, unfortunately. You know what? We, we mentioned them. We mentioned the Nashville Transportation Club. We did. Should we bring them up here really quick? I see Adam over there. I see to Come on up here really Come quick. On. Tell everyone. We're in the Southeast. we got to give a little love to the Nashville Transportation Club and everything that's going on out here and all the Southeast has to offer. <laughs> there they are. What's up, brother? How's it going? Say hi over there real quick. What's Stand up, by your buddy. Oh, we, Tell them why they should join the Nashville Transportation Club while they're out here. Or they should start their own. Hey, well, uh, obviously the National Transportation Club is just a great time of hanging out with other people in our industry. It, the great thing about this industry is how small it really is, uh, but for it to be small, we actually need to talk and uh, get to know each other. Uh, I know at the last one, I had some great conversations with uh, some of our colleagues over at Ryder, uh, and it was great hearing what they had going on and how they, uh, they manage their day. So it's always just great to have those connections. Thank you. Heck yeah. Good to see you. Graham, thanks so much. Well, people are out here, they want to talk insurance. You got them, you know, put a little fear of God in them. Where do they go? I think we are the first booth by registration at the end of the hall. We'd love to talk insurance or shop, anything really. There All you right. Go. Hey, man, thanks for coming on the show. Thank we appreciate you, it today. Thank you. See, I know it's an awkward reach. If you're like up here, you got to agree. It's like, there we go. There we go. By the way, this next company, I did not recognize them at first. They must have changed their logo, they changed their look. It's a whole new look for Roadrunner, and we're going to bring up Frank Hurst right now. He's the president over there. There he is. That, uh, oh, there he is. A He's coming right through the crowd. Come on in, sir. You like the trailer? 
I like the trailer, and I like the new logo. I like that. Well, A, it evokes an actual Roadrunner, right? So you can yeah. tell what it is. And I believe, like, the, not the last logo you used, but one prior to that actually had the Roadrunner, so it was really nice to see it brought back. Yeah, we're bringing the bird back. So it's, we thought it was uh, fun to bring the bird back, a whole new logo and image after a whole new company, so we're excited. So yeah, is, that, is that you? Is that your decision to do the rebranding? Where you're like, Mr. Roadrunner, it's time. Or how did that go about? I wish I could tell you I was that, um, that inclined from a marketing standpoint. We got a great marketing team that, uh, that came up with that. So It's awesome. So the, a complete transformation. Let's get into it. It changed the leadership, new branding that we've, we've talked about, which is, is beautiful, by the way. How did that go? I would tell you we needed to. I mean, we were in a situation where I've been public and saying that Roadrunner lost its way over time. Uh, and we've really emerged as a high-service, high-quality uh, carrier. Like you said new management team, completely new technology across the board. Uh, and most importantly, we're only doing what we do best, which is LTL, long-haul, metro-to-metro, and 36 markets across the country. How do you get that out there, too? Because you, you mentioned it, too. You want to change the narrative. You want to take back control. Changing the logo, symbolic, right? Actions within the company are really what will uh, will dictate that future. How do you go about that transformation? I think first and foremost, it is important to have a new, new branding. It really exemplifies a new company. But let's be honest, we got to walk the talk, right? We, if we say that our service is better, we got to perform service. And, uh, and word of mouth is so important. Is This is a huge uh, industry, but a very small family as we all know each other. And as they try Roadrunner and see the new service, it uh, kind of manifests itself into additional volume, which we're excited about. Yeah, a lot of truckload people here, obviously. I'm, I'm an old LTL guy, 12 years in, in LTL. Talk about that a little bit, the lean networks that you guys developed in the Metro Metro and how that makes it much more efficient, less handling, less damages. You've done your homework. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's good. I was trained by Galen Brown. There you go. So, um, <laughs> so pick up and deliver in 36 markets across the country. Uh, and number one, we always load direct. That's, that's our plan, less rehandle. Uh, it's not, not hard, but less rehandle means less damage. Uh, and we go direct, so we should be able to reduce our transit times like we have twice this year. So faster and direct and uh, less, less damage. So uh, today, uh, you talked about trucks in this environment. Um, about 60% of the miles that we run in the network are with Roadrunner drivers. And the remainder is purchase transportation. We don't use any rail today, so we're all about trucks and moving things over the road in an expedited manner. Awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, because the, the best the best dock production in LTL is zero, right? right. You don't you don't you don't handle it, so you've got that, right? Let's. So you mentioned outside uh, sources, right? So you have your your own line haul drivers. I, I suppose you have your own P and D drivers, but then you have your also purchase transportation. So talk about that. How you're committed to the uh, independent contractors as carriers. Uh, that is my favorite t topic, quite honestly. I feel like that you know, we got a great team, whether it be operations, line haul, safety, uh, marketing, sales. My job is really to be the champion of our drivers. And that's where we spend a lot of our time is either with customers or drivers uh, and their owner operators. And let's be honest, that's the great American story, right? Men and women that start with one truck, lease on with a company like Roadrunner, and then grow to four, five, six, seven, ten trucks. Uh, and that's what we're about, is how we can empower those entrepreneurs to be successful, uh, continue to grow their fleets at the same time. Uh, they're part of our family. And when they're away from their family at home, we're their family on the road. So how do you, how do you carry on that commitment into the, the real world? This has been an interesting conversation because we're talking a lot about the rebranding and the marketing copy, but how do we also make these things actually happen? How do you make sure that focus stays on the driver? 
Well, it, you're right. It's, it's fun because you talk about technology and networks, those sexy things that everybody likes to talk about technology. But really what matters is the culture. And it's how do we tie our employees, our teammates, and our drivers to that of our customers. Uh, we do something kind of fun at Roadrunner. And I would invite you next time you're in Chicago on Thursday, I want you to come to our office. Uh, we brought all of orientation into uh, Downers Grove, our corporate office. And every Thursday, you guys are like this. We have a dance party. So we play music, maybe a little 90s rap, we play some 80s rock, and we have a little town hall, and we introduce every new uh, Roadrunner driver to everyone in the company gets on a team's call. So we do a little dance, uh, we, all, we have people sing, whatever they want to do, but it's really a way that we can celebrate the drivers we have at Roadrunner and welcome them into the uh, network. Wait, so I expect you, you two guys sing? to be, that's do, awesome. do you sing? Hell no, I don't sing, okay. but we've got drivers that are really all good right. singers. So that's there you go. You people don't say, I was going to put Dude. them on the spot right now. <laughs> I don't, Dooner's not going unless you got a mosh pit. Pat Martin can play the guitar, so if you guys Oh, there you go. I got a guitar we'll too. I can together. sing. We'll get a, we'll get a band going. That's Absolutely. Right. Guarantee me you'll have Portillo's there, and I'm there. No problem. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. There so. you go. <laughs> so not, not just drivers, though. Another, another opportunity of great outreach has been through Roadrunner's women in trucking movements and their veteran in trucking movements. Tell us a little bit about that. And is the rebrand going to change any of that? Is it going to enhance any of that? Well, you know, coming up is uh, November 11th, Rice Veterans Day. And so let's take a minute. I want to recognize all the veterans who are probably in this building today and also a lot of them driving for us. But we appreciate your service. Thanks for your service. So we do So veterans are really important part of the fabric we have at Roadrunner. So uh, we actually right now have three trailers um, that are just dedicated to the armed service and also recognize the veterans that we have in our business. Uh, at the same time, women in trucking is a really important part for us. So you think about those Thursday meetings, we always introduce our women first, and then we always finish with our drivers that are veterans at the end. And so to us, really, it's a way that we feel that we can give back to the not only our drivers that we have, but also the communities that we serve across the country and really recognize the men and the women that have fought so hard for the freedoms that we all enjoy today. I mean, why veterans is obviously a, a great initiative to have in the first place. But, um, you know, me personally, I feel like logistics and military, obviously, they, they share a ton in common. Do you find that the veteran drivers you have come in do a great job? They do. Number one, that's uh, safety, right? It's yeah. our number one value at Roadrunner. And safety is such an important part. And they teach those, uh, those types of skills and those really behaviors in the, in the military. Um, at the same time, it's uh, commitment to service and customers in their country. And so they have a lot of the same values that we want at Roadrunner. Um, and you talked about you know, how do you transform a company, uh, and word of mouth is so important. And so for us, we think about bringing on additional owner-operators, and we've continued to grow our fleet this year. But having uh, those men and women who have a great experience and are seeing positive results at Roadrunner, they tend to share those with other drivers. And that's why you know, a lot of veterans bring on new veterans, and we want to be the, the destination of choice for females and veterans at the same time. Yeah, so those honor owner-operators and the ICs that you, you, you work with, uh, you, you consider them entrepreneurs? We do. That's, they are. They are entrepreneurs. They come in. Some of them, we're the first time they've ever become a business owner. And so we have to help coach them on how to be a successful business owner. Then we have others that come in that are just non-driving fleet owners that have fleets as well. Um, but they are entrepreneurs, right? They, and it's up to us to have the right technology to allow them to be successful and the right coaching and support systems behind the scene as well. Awesome. Do you think that enough, well, I just had a follow-up to that and was like, do you think enough drivers consider themselves entrepreneurs? Um, I think they do, but I think there's, there's really two classes. The first group of drivers that come in, it could be their first truck. They've got a lot to learn, 
right? They got to learn about planning their day, where they purchase fuel, obviously a big topic we're talking about this week at Freight Waves. Um, but then we have the other group that are successful business owners. And for us, it's how do we bridge that gap and how do we coach them to become successful business owners? Because there are a lot of tricks of the trade that our successful owner operators have that we have to filter down to the younger generations coming in. So I, I wanted to ask you, leaning into your strongest lanes, right, and, and reducing handlings, more direct loads, the transition of the company uh, in, in LTL, there's other companies that were successful doing this as well. ODFL is one of them. SIA, obviously, is one of them as well. How difficult is that doing that when you're running 36 destinations across the country to kind of embargo that and not get outside of yourself again? Well, that's a great question, right, because internally we're always talking about being a focused LTL carrier. Uh, and doing what we do best. And we had to kind of take a step back and kind of shrink to grow, if you will. Uh, and everything we do is around service and quality. So if we're confident that we've got the density and the volume in the lane, provide the service we do, but we'll have accurate transit times and carry connect. However, we're a density-based network and we need volume in a lot of our areas. We're running at probably 60% capacity a day across the network. So as we grow more density, we reduce our transit times. So that's important for us is we're always looking for, for new shippers and one of the reasons we're here this week. Yeah, I remember the question, service or load factor? And the answer was always yes. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> Very difficult to do. Frank, before we let you go, people out here, they're looking to connect with you, they're looking to connect with your team. Where do we send them to? First off, you can go outside and see the brand new uh, branded Roadrunner trailer. Oh, yeah. Go to uh, Booth 16, we're at ShipRoadRunnerFreight.com. Uh, uh, and here's the other thing. I've noticed that you guys have a couple of trailers uh, on, the, on the podcast. And sure. the videos. I'm going to send you guys one. I expect to see it on the next What the Truck. All right. All right. Sure. Good play. Love it. Absolutely, yeah. We'll get you our address. That's good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy. Got a huge collection of our freight alley. Take care. Good time. Good luck on the new look. Speaking of our desk, you know what we do have on our desk? We have like that convenience butler, that rider convenience butler. Oh, yeah. That's right. Who gave us that? One of these rider people. Rider people. So we have someone from Rider Up? He's he's not a, yeah, he is a concierge. The concierge? Yes, Joseph Lamb, a senior value engineer. Over at Ryder. How's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. You, uh, you must be out of breath. You just got off stage from doing a rapid-fire demo, you and your team, didn't you? No. Actually, this year, I, or uh, for this one, I didn't get a chance. In Rogers, I did it on stage. But uh, Chris Skazwalk, our product lead for Ryder Share, and Aaron Starlip are one of our uh, product owners who were able to drive it. Uh, probably about 30 minutes ago, so hats off to them. So you oh, had to be good. like the coach, right? You had to tell them uh, what to do. What was your tip for them? Then? What did you learn in Rogers? Were you up all night in the hotel room? Uh, no, we rehearsed it probably for the past, uh, man, month and a half going through our script and everything. They know the product inside and out, so it was, it was uh, pretty easy. So, you know, we, we talk about end-to-end uh, -end visibility, and it was even mentioned and talked about in, in quite – lengthy in the in the keynote this morning right and peter actually said if a, if a ship sunk it would take us months to figure out what's on it that's how the visibility is and then visibility from your perspective what does that mean and is it possible for us to actually achieve it true the well you know that's such a different question now uh you know as we reflect back on where we've come with rider shares of you know and vis and visibility product um you know the questions that we were being asked two, three, four years ago about end-to-end -end visibility have changed quite a bit. 
Um, now, you know, as a 3PL, we'll work with you. You know, the, the freight, what we manage, we can provide visibility to that. But uh, I think now what's changing is you have people that manage people, and they say, I want to get down to the level that that SME is 60, 70, 80% of their understanding of what the visibility of the network is. And that's such a radically different question than what it was, you know, three, four, five years ago. So is it possible? Yes, it's just the question keeps changing. So what's changed? What do you, what have, from, at least from your seat, what do you see changing about the question? What, what has morphed since then? You know, the, the question we used to get a lot was how do I eliminate the, the easy to answer non-value add questions? You know, hey, where's my item? Where's a truck located? Is it going to be on time? Those sorts of things. And now it's moved more towards what's the status of my network? What's, what's something that I'm responsible for? The people that I manage, uh, how do I gain visibility into that? So uh, I would say it's moving to the 201 and 301 level questions that people are asking, which is very exciting, but at the same time, you know, no shippers, the same as another shipper, no carrier operates the same way. So trying to compensate for that is quite the challenge. What, what do you see as, as, the, as the major pain points and challenges happening in transportation as we move forward? Well, in transportation in general, I, I actually had the opportunity to attend a, uh, a carrier advisory board for, for Ryder a few weeks ago, and it was very interesting. The, you know, the labor shortage, 100%, right, was something that everybody was concerned about, and I think we ended up taking, it was allotted for maybe an hour and a half, and they wanted to talk about three hours about what are you doing to solve it, where are we going from here, is it going to be autonomous, is it going to be... You know, how are you going to, you know, fulfill that labor force? So, you know, that's a big one. And then, you know, when it comes to digitization, um, you know, we're going to see a lot of great demos here. I think one of the things that's going to happen, um, you know, the democratization of all that digitization, how do you guys get that in the hands of people that, uh, one, may not be able to support, you know, full-blown TMS or, you know, have all of the different trading partners that need all that digitization? Um, you know, that, I, that and the labor shortage are the two things that I, I've heard a lot from carriers. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we keep hearing, too, about the population decline that is, that's inevitable in the low birth rates. And when you look at the generation, as Peter said in our keynote, I mean, you can just look at the generation that is under millennials. It is a much smaller generation of people. How do you see that hitting? I mean, it's so hard to predict because of what's gone on with labor since the pandemic. But do you see a return to normalcy, or is this something that we have to that we're have to, we're going to have to continue to deal with a very shrinking labor pool? Well, I don't think that this is going to be unique to transportation. Um, you know, I think you, you mentioned it earlier. You know, people are always going to be what drive a business. It doesn't matter how much technology you throw on top of it. Um, there's just, you know, there's going to be a point in time to where if you're not creating enough value with the people that you do have, there might be, you know, I think, you know, acquisitions, there might be shuttering, you know, it's just the way that it's kind of going at this point in time. And so that's not to be negative about it. You know, there will be companies that will adapt. This, this happens all the time. But, um, you know, this certainly is a very unique time uh, in our economy to have a shrinking labor pool like that, that, uh, you know, with birth rate going down everything else, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. So the digitization of the supply chains, right, is, is it, is, 
Is it as easy as we, we just throw it around? Is it, is, it, is it an easy process to do that? And what's going to be more difficult, pulling people into it or being dragged into it, which is, which is more of a hurdle, right? <laughs> huh? Who makes it sound Well, I mean, easy? you say, well, we'll just digitize it, right? Well, digitize, digitize, digitize. Okay, what does that mean and how difficult is it to actually do? What do I need to be doing now to make that happen if I haven't done anything? You know, uh, a guy uh, really changed my way of thinking on where to start with that uh, probably about five years ago. His name's Dave Malenfant. He was kind of a mentor to me. And, uh, you know, I was working in an industry that they had, we were doing a lot of digitization. You know Dave? Okay. So uh, he, uh, you know, he kind of changed my perspective and said, if, if you're going to start digitizing something, you really need to start with what you do well. Um, you know, if you think a product or a digital tool is going to be a silver bullet to any issues that you have in your business, uh, it's, that's going to be very tough. So you talk about pulling or pushing. Uh, I heard uh, the gentleman earlier talk about, hey, do I have an executive sponsor for something? Um, you know, the bit of advice that I would give them that, that I've learned is to say, hey, you need to start with something that you do really well where you're going to have success. And that's going to pull everybody else along, right? That's going to be that rising tide scenario. All the boats are going to be lifted if you can start with what you do well. Because if you do it well, that means your people and your processes are in place. You're doing the right things. And that product's just going to make you more efficient at something that you're already very good at. So but with tech, though, how, do you, how, how should you be approaching it? Should you be approaching it as, as a trailblazer? Because if you approach it as a trailblazer, there's a good chance you could be a beta tester. Uh, as a trailblazer, what? Are you waiting for AOL to go out of business? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we're talking about the digitization of check, not yeah, yeah, yeah. computers in general, yeah, yeah, yeah. you no, troglodilic fool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think there, you can be a trailblazer inside your own company as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of shippers, a lot of carriers out there that, that need that type of somebody to trailblaze inside their own company to change minds. Um, you know, if you're going to do that in-house uh, with your own digital tools, man, that can be trailblazing for you as a company. If you go and look outside for some of the partners uh, to, to help you on that journey, that can be very trailblazing for you as well. But I, um, I really think you need to start with understanding what your problem is and where you want to yeah. go. Uh, otherwise, you know, you, you just can't throw a bunch of money or, or people at that problem and yeah. think you're going to get... You're going to end up pretty much right back where you started. You know, you, data, blockchain. No. Uh, right? I mean, you got <laughs> well, to think I mean, about it, right? It's right. Gotta, <laughs> at some point, everything that we've talked about, uh, we had this conversation last week. Um, the table stakes for what shippers and 3PLs are expected to provide in terms of technology and data, that's going up. That's, and that's not going back in the bottle, right? We talked about that. You know, we've got to have better data. We've got to have better visibility. We've got to have better insight. That's not going back in, that genie's not going back in the bottle. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's one day blockchain, you know, that might be something that's, you know, expected out of somebody, but right now. It was always, you know, hey, we have data, therefore we need blockchain, right? You need, right. To, you need to think about it a little yeah. bit more, more than that, right? Solutions are so yeah, a problem sometimes. Yeah, well, let's yeah. not look that far then. Let's just look till next year, 2023. What do you see happening? And I think some of the momentum towards what's happening is already in, in place, but what do you see from your perspective? Um, 
you know, again, I think those questions are going to get harder. I think they're going to keep getting ramped up into, uh, I want to know more about what's going on uh, at, at, you know, layers deeper. It's not just KPIs and reports that I want to see. I want to be able to drop down into my supply chain and understand where my bottlenecks are at a, at a given time. Um, and I think one of the other interesting pieces of feedback we've gotten is, uh, you know, we've, you know, we need to do a little bit more for the carrier probably than, than just the shipper. So um, I do think that there's going to be a push to make technology, you know, a little bit more easier to interact with the, with the carrier, whether that be APIs, whether that be applications, um, you know, you name it. So th those would be the two things. Uh, it, it's, it's picking up speed. It's only going one direction. You, you talked about doing more for, for the carrier, and that's, that's a question I had is, is what would you recommend for the carrier, the shipper, and the broker individually to get started on this journey? Man, that's, that, that is such a – I don't think, again, there's a blanket statement that says what one is going to you know, help the other one uh, more than the other. But um, you know, I, I think it's time that you just kind of have to be open-minded about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of transparency. We get asked all the time for a level of transparency from our shippers that's, that's different. You know, we, we get pushback on that. That's, um, you know, from carriers that we work with. So, uh, you know, I, I think being open to that and um, looking more towards uh, how do we solve these problems in a way that benefits both, you know, all parties involved is, is going to be a little bit different change. So, yeah, I, I couldn't give you a silver bullet that says I'm recommending anything. Well, what's more important, a good uh, consultant or a good uh, psychiatrist? Oh, uh, boy, man. Uh, they they kind of need to be the same, right? Yeah, yeah it just kind of depends on the hourly rate, right? <laughs> no, it's, it, sure sounded, uh, it sure sounded murky. One other thing that came up at this event in one of the keynotes was drivers only being on the road uh, less than seven hours a day. Um, do you see tech helping out there too, or do you see tech just getting the driver out of the cab entirely? I do think that there will be a time where the driver's a little bit more out of the cab, or whoever is in the cab is not under the strain of driving as much. Um, you know, somebody put that in perspective for me. You know, we kind of already have an autonomous network with that if you look at intermodal. Sure. Um, that is a little bit of the same network, um, but, you know, obviously autonomous vehicles are on the way um you know the 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 getting the driver out of the truck and getting him home in seven hours are probably two very different questions um i think a lot of networks are moving more towards you know a, a relay network to, to to make that possible and again if that's going to create value uh for both the driver that's how you're going to you know accomplish overcoming that labor shortage and then as well you're going to provide you know a lot of value for your customers as well. So uh, somebody will be creative about it, but uh, don't necessarily think the driver's getting out of the truck tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my grandfather used to tell me, Michael, you don't need to make every mistake yourself. You're allowed to learn from other people, right? What have been some of the things that you've learned or some of the surprises along your journey with the digitization? Uh, with riders specifically, I think uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm for the early... Uh, versions of rider share that we rolled out. Um, this is going to sound really simple, but I, I think looking back, if we could have done it a couple things differently, we might have rolled out our product to customers in a little bit different order. Um, you know, we, we, you know, I would say that really target 
what you do well. Um, you know, when you get outside that, you start to lose people a little bit. Um, so that, that would be one of the things that I would highly recommend to people is really know what you're good at and then know, hey, am I solving 80% of the problem for somebody with what I'm good at? Uh, whether you're, you know, a, a technology partner or, or a carrier, um, you know, just really be dialed in and understand your value prop for what you're trying to offer people. Very, very cool. Well, people want to hear your value prop. They didn't hear it all up here. They want to know what you have to offer, and they're walking this floor. Where do we send them to? After you vote for rider share on our customer demo or on our company demo on the app, you can walk down the hallway. We're down there on the right. I just got here a little bit ago, so I'm not sure what booth number we're in. But very cool. You'll Where see it? it. It's very easy. Victoria? 16. Booth number 16. 16. There we go. Very cool. Well, thank you, guys. It was very nice to meet you. You are here the whole time. You are here, Joseph. Take it easy, sir. Good stuff. Go Texans. Good stuff at all our guests today. Really enjoyed that one. It was awesome. Enjoyed that one. What's your takeaway so far from this event? From this event, yeah. Um, If if uh, Peter didn't have uh, such a good disposition, I probably would have been hiding in a corner, cowering (laughs) over all the changes that are coming. The challenges we have with the deglobalization. That is huge, though. I mean, it's enormous, man. The the idea that China is dead as a manufacturing hub, that we have seen peak China, peak shipping out of China, peak shipping on the U.S. West Coast and U.S. East Coast lanes. I mean, that is that's fundamentally really, really powerful stuff. It's going to massively shift the dynamics of trade. It's huge. Do you think the Jones Act is that crucial, though? You get all these Jones Act stands out there that I, always I, think that I that's would, the, I have the to key. Defer, I have to defer to someone like, like Sal Mercogliano or somebody to answer that more accurately. I, I think it's important. Uh, but how why? Important He's I wrong know. about so much other stuff. No. Who is? <laughs> Not Sal. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the other thing, you know, the other thing that was really interesting in that, in that keynote, and that people I don't think appreciate the, the significance of much, is that Mexico needs itself now, right? It needs another Mexico. Yes. I found that <laughs> really interesting as well. Yeah. Very, very crazy. Well, hey, we got some experiences coming up. You mentioned the app earlier. He was telling you to get the Rider app, but if you are at this event right now, you haven't done it yet, download the FreightWaves events app, right? Yeah. It's got oh, your yeah. agenda in there. It's going to tell you where to go. It's going to tell you everything you need. Uh, coming up at 3.30, so I think we have lunch coming up now, do we? I'm I think getting so. hungry. Yeah, probably. I'm getting My hungry. My stomach up- says so. Coming at 3.30, you get all these different experiences, and what else do they want me to say? Oh, Pat Green at the First Horizon Pavilion. Is that, where is that, right out here? Uh, well, it's, uh, this way. Behind this us. way? Yeah. Right behind it's us. Well, they way. got shuttles over there. Yeah. Well, everyone enjoy the show. It's been one the track. Yeah, yeah, right on. Peace and love, everybody. Take it easy. Listening to what?